for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. Oh my, look at this. I'm looking across the table from Matt Zimmer, who smiled for the first time in his life when he walked in here. Not because he was happy to see me. He was happy to see me ready to actually start recording right it away. It is 7 o'clock as we hit the <laughs> I air I know. Didn't the even, exact time. We're starting the tape time. Which I would have been happy for you to just be here <laughs> yeah, at 7 o'clock. I know you would have. I know. So we could start taping by 7.10 goal. or something. Yeah, he's got, and it almost really made him smile when he thought the beer was, the Budweiser was on tap here. But it's in a bottle. That's okay. I don't think that waitress realizes what a mistake that was. Like, <laughs> to get your that's hopes a bad like move that. as a waitress. Like, oh yeah, we got that. Oh wait, never mind. Uh, <laughs> well, when yeah, but, but already got Oktoberfest in August, which uh, I love. So, and it just must mean it's football season. It, you know, the Twins are going to be in a race where. Uh, they'll find a way to flounder. They already have. Uh, the Huskers have already pissed one down their leg thanks to Scott Frost's arrogant buffoonery. So, I mean, it's it's football season. And, of course, we're going to talk a lot about the Jackrabbits going to Iowa. Uh, I've got a queso burger on the way three more days in August, depending on when you're listening to this. The queso burger is the burger of the month here at the Gateway. The absolute best place to watch sports in Sioux Falls. You know that by now. It's been three or four months. It's been a summer. How you been? Good. How have you been? You're the one who's busy. Oh, I mean, you're busy too. I'm very busy. You're doing all these uh, National I'm, Letter of yeah. Intent articles. National Letter of Intent, yeah? No, that is not what NIL stands oh for. Oh, my God. See, I'm a little out of N-N-L-I practice. NLI is National Letter of Intent. One sip of Oktoberfest. NIL is yes. name, image, name, and likeness. Name, image, and likeness. That's yeah. what you've been doing. Uh, yeah, we'll get into that as well. I don't, I don't, I don't want to. That's too. That's that's just too much of a deep dive to start away right now. What I want to get into is okay. Yeah, how is my summer? It's fine. I'm busy. Rodeo clown at the birdcage, doing TV. You know, that's basically it. it, it yeah, it's the busiest time of the year because that whole Canaries thing, and it's a blast. I've had a blast. Took a. It, there, there have been some 14 and 18 days in a row of working between those two jobs here and there. Lincoln, Black Hills, and uh, where else did I go? Minnesota for a day, but uh, that was a good summer. I'm happy to get a little more time off and start doing some football stuff. What about you? You guys, did you guys going on any road trips? I uh, went to the lake a couple times. My family is a lake cabin up north. We're still hoping to maybe go on uh, one more family vacation before the winter. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of circling the weekend of uh, when the Jacks go to Missouri State because uh, we have a Gannett paper that will probably cover that game for us, so I probably won't make that trip. So uh-huh. as long as I'm not going to go, be kind of the last – it's the last weekend in September. So yeah. talk about maybe going to a Vikings game that weekend or maybe just – who knows? Yeah. You know, we don't have a ton of money, so that'll be that'll be part of the calculus. That but, dictates uh, things. Yeah. Plus, you're, n- you're not exactly a go-very-far-to-get-away type of guy. I mean, or I would if I could afford it. God, that queso burger looks good. Okay, just I'll get it. Can you hold your microphone like this? Yeah. Okay, just a little bit more like this. Not get like better this. microphones, dude. No, that's not my way lip mi- is touching. That is not it. the way microphones work. It's, it's you have to have a certain angle. <laughs> okay. I think it's your shitty mics. Uh, they are not shitty mics. They're fine. They sound awesome. Just you know, just make one tiny little adjustment, and now you whole fucking yeah. hold it. Uh, 
I, so we were, uh, by the way, I, I'm kind of with you on the shorter trips anyway, and the not being able to afford trips. Like, I At least gas go- came down a little bit. Maybe What's that'll that? help. As a gas came down a little bit, maybe that'll help. It did. I, I, I want to go like out to the Rocky Mountains someday, not just for the mountains, but for the lakes and stuff like that in the summer. But like the Black Hills, they're like they're fine. Like I, you know, I four day a four day weekend of the Black Hills to clear your mind. It's beautiful out there. The weather's almost always good. It's in the summer. It's dry. You know, you get a day at a, you get a day at Pactola Lake. A couple days driving and staying in a log cabin. That's it. That's all you need. But um, you know, I'm being compelled. To, to, to do bigger and broader things because it's kind of like a summer routine. We do a mm-hmm. four-day weekend in the Black Hills. But, you know, I guess are you is it too routine for you to do the, the cabin thing, or are you content? Uh, well, have, I've my family's had a lake cabin for 34 years. That kind of spoils it. you a little bit. To, yeah. you know, like, I remember when I was a kid, my friends were like, you want to go camping? I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> that sounds like the worst thing ever. Yes. We can go fishing. I was like, yeah, I have a cabin. I can go fishing whenever I want. Like, oh, wow. Well, I mean, I hate you to sound spoiled smug, shit. but yeah, like wanting to go you know, sleep outside in a bag when you have a, no. a cabin next to a lake. It's kind of, eh, no thanks. So you get know. this. So, I mean, so Gilbert and I, we find there's all kinds of cab- little cabins you can get in uh-huh. the Black Hills. Most of them are right off the highway. And, you know, we've tried a few, and it's kind of fun to try new ones. And, and we love it. It's lovely to wake up, walk out, just like to look at a lake, but to w- wake up, walk out, and look at the hills. And uh, but we were we went on a, I mean, on a hike, and by you know, this is Gilbert, my husband. So I mean, by hike, we went very mild hike, but it was a hike. <laughs> you know, we were walking through woods, and uh, he, uh, you know, and at one point he's, you know, he saw a couple camping bags, and he's like, I think we could do that. I wouldn't mind doing. It. I'm like, are you kidding me? A, no, I don't want to. B, can you see Gilbert camping? No. No. <laughs> Has no. he ever slept outside in his life? <laughs> well, not intentionally. Yeah. <laughs> not with whatever his plan was. Not for pre-planned. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and, and so another thing, and that's and by the way, I don't know if age has anything to do with it, but I guess you get older, you don't want to, you, you do kind of have a less of a threshold for uncomfortable sleeping environments. I'd much rather sleep outside now than when I was 12. Yeah. Oh, you would. Oh, okay. Much less. Rather, oh, much less. Much yeah. le- maybe that's Me not what too. I said, but yeah. Uh, and the other, and the another part is we. Were, this is another age thing that we were talking about right before we flipped on the mics, because uh, you're going to Iowa City to cover the Jackrabbits, and uh, I, at some point, I'm going to go to a Nebraska football game. I do once a year, uh, in Lincoln, and uh, I was saying how I, 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 Oklahoma was going to be the game because it's Oklahoma Nebraska. It's nostalgic. And actually, Nebraska hung with Oklahoma last year, so it wouldn't even be that big of a nightmare. It'd probably be... Do they still try to play every year, even though they're not in the same... No, no, not at all. They haven't. That's what I assumed. They haven't haven't played uh, since the Big 12 until last year, the first of this home-and-home two-year series. I think they might do it again down the road, but they did this to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the game of the century. And, and, you know, really cool. And so I'd love to go. But uh, it's 11 a.m. and I do a I do a football game every Friday night on the radio. I do a coach's show on Saturdays, whether I do it in the studio or mobily. But my dad was coming in to Sioux Falls that weekend. Okay, hey dad, you know my first Nebraska Oklahoma games. I went to it with my dad, growing up. You want to go? But you know I just have to a couple tweaks. I just you know we might not get out of here until 9:30 when I'm done with my football game, and you know we not, might not get to Lincoln by until one or two a.m. And then you know of course I'm going to wake up and do a coach's show. And by 8 o'clock, I want to, you know, start tailgating for an 11 a.m. kick. And my dad's like, fuck that. 
That's a lot. No, he's. I'm not going to drive four hours. I'm not. He's seven. He's like. He, 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 everything's short. Why I'm would you want to do that? I didn't really want to. It was uh-huh. just to see the Nebraska Oklahoma game. And if it were a two thirty kick, I'd probably still do it. But an eleven a.m. kick, no thanks. And, th- and this is when you. I mentioned the word tailgating, and that sprung you. Because you, you're a little bummed you're not going to stay in Iowa City because there are no hotels there to cover this Jackrabbit game. But you, you also mentioned that the whole tailgating or, or going to the college, the hot college bars just for the experience yeah. at 40 years old, not, not, a, not an appealing thought anymore. Well, I, we, we talked about, th- about this on this very podcast at some point during last football season. Like, I'm just not much of a day drinker anymore. You know, like it used to be the kind of thing like, oh, all beers. So if you start at 830, I'm just going to be and I'm not saying like I'm going to be a drunken mess. Like I'm going to be a fool. Not like that. Like I'm just I'm just going to be out like halftime. I'm going to be like, I'm done, guys. I'm tapping out. I just the idea of doing that. Uh, it'll be interesting. Like, now that the Jacks are going to be selling beer at their games this year, there's all these Jacks fans. So I'm like, yeah, tailgating, we're show, we're partying, all that. I'm like, yeah, it sounds awesome. But. I don't, I don't 11, think that's... Well, 11 a.m. games for tailgating sucks. I mean, 11 a.m. kickoffs suck, period. They do, they do yeah. suck, period. I thought, I thought most sports writers love them because your day's done by 3 or 4 I mean, o'clock. Eh, that is nice, but for one thing, I'm six hours away from home. And, yeah. But even if it was in – I mean, yeah, I guess if I was covering an Augie game, I would be happy with an 11 o'clock kickoff because yeah. I could get up at 10 o'clock and still be there in time for kickoff. But yeah. short of that, no thank you. Yeah. Uh, the, the tailgating at 11, yeah, for an 11 a.m. game does kind of suck. I was kind of happy my dad rescued me from that. I, you know, I was um, I was thinking of you today as I had it. Go ahead and have a fry; they're good. Uh, I know. As I was talking to my <laughs> 70, 73 year old boss at the uh, golf course in Lenox, we had our annual discussion about the fact that I'm going to work a few shifts and just. You know, basically steal money because it's not very, not very busy there at, at, at on any golf course in September, especially on weekdays. So I'm just gonna start working there again, and because um, you need four jobs, I do. Yes, actually, well, it's like days off. I could, I could, I could, I could like prepare for my football game at home, or I could, you know, collect a little money doing it, looking out out at a golf course out through a window. Um, but he's cool guy, and uh, God, what he just. What did he? How did he remind me of you? Other than just getting, yeah, getting Being a cranky asshole. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, he's getting his knee replaced, and he's looking for homes to to. He's looking for winter homes to live in, and all that kind of stuff. But you, uh, basically, talking about his age and how old he is, and uh, oh, he's oh, that's this was it. He's gonna he's gonna try to lose thirty pounds before he has knee surgery because his doctor thinks it'll be better for him to do so, and so he's gonna give up bo- so he's gonna give up booze and carbs for a month, which just sounds awful. But I remember you did that for a while. But in general, um, I never gave up carbs in my life. You, you gave up booze. Sorry about that. For no. like a would you ever give up carbs? You say, no. hey, you're gonna lose thirty pounds in thirty days. All you gotta do is give up carbs. I've, haven't they decided that that's an unhealthy way to lose weight anyway? I don't know. I thought that was a is thing. Is it? I that whole Atkins diet, it, it right? Is, that was a it thing. Is, and it is a way to lose weight. There's no doubt about that. Well. Um, the, uh, you have, on this podcast, and then a couple times when I see your tweets, and sometimes when, and just in, in texts back and forth with me, you, 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 you mentioned that you are old a lot. Like, 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 life is over at 40. <laughs> like, oh, uh, you know, because you, you had a tweet about how your your wife, that's what you call her, Jen, 
uh, you know, pours you an ice cold 32 ounce beer that sits on the back of the truck. That, that's ready for you every time. She does do that every time, and that's incredible. And you just said like you've you've crushed it when 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 you have a wife that does this. You know you've picked the right wife. And I'm like, okay, you guys aren't married yet. What's going? Did you guys get married? You know, and and tell nobody. Did you not tell me? What, did I miss the wedding? And you just said I'm too old to call her my girlfriend or anything else. So I stand by that. Yeah. But you, but you, you, we had this conversation, like, granted, I'm not as old as your dad, but you were making a comment of how silly it is that your 70-year-old dad refers to his partner as his girlfriend. 76 and his 81-year-old, well, fiancé, because yeah. they did get engaged yeah. as, like, a symbolic thing. Well, I kind of feel the same way at 42. It turned out they never, uh, they were never planning on getting married. They just got engaged to just show everybody, hey, yeah, we're, we're together, whatever. We're a thing. And, yeah. uh, but it's, like, it's just kind of weird, yeah, to call a 70, uh, to call, yeah, Call an eighty-one-year-old your girlfriend, or even your fiance. Well, it's ridiculous for fiance's sake because <laughs> they've been engaged for eight years. I don't know. You just mentioned that you're old a lot. I'm like, come on. Do you really feel that old? No. Okay. No, not really. I mean, yes. I don't know. I mean, forty-two. You know, does does getting does, does mowing the lawn tire you out? A little bit. A little bit. Um, I gained a lot of weight during the pandemic <laughs> and uh, was like, oh, I'll just lose that easy. You know, I just uh, no, it's been not that easy, <laughs> you know, and and having a kid makes it hard, too, because a lot of the time that you would spend at a gym, you're watching a kid and a lot of time you eat shit food because you don't have time to. You know, cook something or go out or whatever. Yeah. Plus, with a kid, you know, yeah. it's easy to go to McDonald's. And so. I don't, I don't play baseball anymore. Which I'm not saying baseball kept me in shape, really, but it kind of did, I guess, a little bit. Something. You know, because now I do nothing, and uh, and plus now I have a kid, so you know that kind of makes you. You know, I've heard people say kids keep me younger. It's not keeping me younger, man. <laughs> it's making me fucking older. Uh, <laughs> Here's one. Here's another thing that makes me feel old, or just maybe sad, uh, but not, you know. But I'm, I'm okay with it. The other night, Saturday night, worked the Canaries game, and then you know a lot of the people on our staff is uh, you know 22, 20, 22 years old on the on the on the game day staff, and uh, so see them in the office after the game. People are getting ready to go home as we're done with work. And in this case, one of one of my coworkers, a 22-year-old lady, uh, was, had just changed from her, you know, game clothes to her going out clothes, and she was going to go out, she go out, hit the bars with her boyfriend and another uh, friend of theirs from out of town, show him a good time in Sioux Falls. And I was like, "Let me guess, Wiley's in Pave, mm-hmm. you know?" And she's like, "Yep, maybe Tommy Jacks, you know? Yeah. They want to do, you know, if they want to be cool and do a dive bar." And I said. Yeah, I have no, I have no use for that. I never would. Nothing against Wiley's or Pave. It's a great place for young people, but to go to a bar like that where it's just hot, flop, sweat, obnoxious, obnoxiousness, douchebags, you know. I never liked that just, kind of thing much when I was in my twenties. Yeah, I thought I did. If you get drunk enough, it's you know, it might be fun enough. Well, but I mean, I, usually your your willingness to put up with a place like that is. Is directly related to how desperate you are to get laid. Exactly, <laughs> it is. And my situation was kind of unique that way. So I guess <laughs> after a while, I didn't really like that. So I was willing to eventually, you know, I started to come out and 
you know, yeah. So I was willing to go to, yeah, I was willing to go to gay bars, and we Gilbert and I still are when, every now and then. But even even at that though, we it's not like we don't have one in Sioux Falls. We rarely go because we just that's not how we want to spend a Friday or a Saturday evening. And then I just realized that we get along well, me and this 22 year old lady that that I work with every day, and not once that. Not, not once you, a 43-year-old gay guy, gets along with a 22-year-old young woman. Oh, yeah. I'm shocked. Well, she's wonderful, yes. Yes. <laughs> you uh, say that like it's yeah. surprising. It's not. <laughs> okay. They have a term no, for that. I'm, I'm not, not allowed to say it on the air. Well, it's, it should be surprising <laughs> that I get along with anybody in a working environment. Uh, I, can be a, I, I can be insufferable sometimes. But uh, not once did I want her to, and not once did she ask me if I wanted to join them. And I thought to myself, okay, what's going on here? I, I don't, either she doesn't like me, but she, she really appears to, after three or four months, I can tell working with someone every day if they like, she likes me. Okay, so, or I'm just too old, or I'm too embarrassing to be around because I'm too old, or I, I don't know. They, or, or they thought there's no way I would want to go because I, because I kind of roll my eyes when it's they say Wiley's and Pave. Probably a little bit of all of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, of course I don't want to go, but I'm a little like, I you think know. one way, like, I don't know about you, but even when I was in my 20s, I never got offended, like, if I didn't get invited to something. But now at this age, like, not getting invited to someone, to something, is like a gift in itself. Like, when I find out that someone got married without inviting me, that I thought might have invited me, I'm like, oh, thank God. Like, that is chef's kiss. Like, thank oh, you. I escaped that. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I haven't didn't done, have like, to come with an excuse. Yeah. Or yeah. buy a present or just anything. Just, nope. Well, um, one of my other coworkers, who's a little younger, he's in his early 30s, he was complaining about somebody else who's, a, I'll just say, a regular at the park who won't stop talking to him and won't stop telling him how he doesn't have any friends. You know, so, and it's like, and, and, the, and my, my first thought was like, at my age, I don't want any more friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Well, I mean, I was on a I, I was on a softball team all summer in the the gay softball league here in Sioux Falls, and we had a blast. We made a lot of new friends, and we did do some occasional outside of softball socializing. So it's not like I'm not up for anything, but it's like I don't I just don't I like I, and by the way, and the guy who complains about this is married, so it's not like he doesn't have a, at least a companion at home. Right. I'm just like how many. How many? How, how often do we ever? Part of the reason why we do this podcast is it's the only way I think I could, you and I could get together socially if we had some sort of excuse to do it with a beer. You, you and I, we we've talked about this though. Like we're we're Gen Xers. Like our generation is kind of like, fuck you, leave me alone. Yes. Like I have my group of friends, yeah, and I have no desire to expand that group of friends. <laughs> I don't want to be lumped into your group of friends. I already yeah. have mine. Yes, it's funny for me because like at the Argus now, like it's me and a bunch of children, <laughs> and you know they all want to come to the office because that's their social life. Right. You know they're all oh, 22 years yes, old, yes, and none of them are from Sioux Falls, yes, so they don't know anybody, and yes. I'm not really judging them for it, but it's also like, oh my god, you know, like. Imagine wanting to come to work when you have the option to work at home. You yes. can work from home now. That that is now a thing. I know. Twenty years ago, people like us would have dreamed about like I can yeah, I can stay at home. I don't have Abs to get up and go. Yes. Thank you. And now no. these people are choosing to go to the office because well these are my friends. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that is a that is a and again I'm not trying to shit on those no. kids but that is a different world I than get, the one I that I guess they're I different inhabit. now. Yeah. yeah, I I mean and good for them cuz they 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 spend 
and now we are sounding old. That's okay. Most of the people listening to us are our age or older. Uh, that you know, they spend so much of their socialization time on their on their phones anyway. The fact that they want to interact with real people right, right. is great. The environment is the exact same way at Dakota News now. Every night I work until six, seven, eight, and they're blah. They're talking because they get their work done faster than I do. They're talking. They're talking about what they did last weekend. They're talking about what they're doing this weekend. Some of them are talking about what they're going to do tonight. Which part they're going to go to? One block away downtown. Never include me. That's okay. That's fine. I don't care. Like, part of me is like, uh, and then part of me is like, good. <laughs> I don't have to get thrown in that situation. I'm fine with that. All right. Um, so you're going to Iowa City. You're probably not going to uh, get lit at the bars. Uh, I am not. And uh, nor tailgate because you can't. But um, how forward are you looking to this trip uh, from the standpoint of another possible major moment in Jackrabbit football history? Yeah, I, I don't love their chances of winning but it's obviously plausible that they could win the game and I'll be surprised if it isn't a fun entertaining game I'll be surprised even if the Jacks end up say losing by 20 or so I'll be surprised if they aren't in it for a good portion of it you know I think back to when they played TCU a few years ago I think it was like tied or something going into the fourth quarter and then they ended up losing by 17 or something obviously almost beat the Gophers a couple years ago and the Gophers that was a Gophers team that ended up winning 11 games so they're very capable of making it a good game, uh, but I've never been to Kinnick Stadium. You know, I kind of—I don't want to say I grew up as a Hawkeye hater necessarily, because, like I said, have said before, my family was always more of a pro sports than college sports. Mm-hmm. But I certainly was never a Hawkeye fan, um, so I never had any reason to want to go to one of those games. And uh, you know, I'd always hear like, "Oh, it's so amazing! You gotta go! You gotta go!" And I was like, "Yeah, whatever." And well, now I get a chance, and I'm—I'm I'm excited for that. I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, and, and yeah, these games, every time I've been to one, you know, Minnesota, TCU, Colorado State, Nebraska, you know, it's been fun. That, that, that's cool. Yeah. And uh, also, I'm just excited for football season to be back. I mean, this is, you know, I'm a baseball guy through and through and that, you know, that's kind of my, what my life revolves around or at least did when I was younger. But football is my favorite sport to cover. Football is my favorite sport to write about, to to dive into. And uh, so this last month has been fun. Once I mean first day of practice was damn near a month ago and uh you know i was looking forward to that day all summer and the last month or so of just going to practice not just the jacks you know going to see augie going to see usf and yeah. and keeping tabs on all those teams like i can't get enough of it so saturday's the first game i'm super pumped for it and i'm super pumped for the season uh if you're a jacks fan I- i've been i've been to iowa city like just to hang out twice one was a nebraska iowa game in 1999 42-7 huskers Glory days, back when they were good. Kirk Ferentz's first year didn't take him long to make Iowa consistently, maddeningly uh, sound and unflappable, and but yet incapable of ever being a real true Power Five power. But um, but I do remember Iowa City was up. It's a blast of a college town. I can't tell you where to go. I don't remember the names. I don't of any care. Of I'm not going to go. I'm not telling you. I'm just telling <laughs> any of the Jackrabbit fans listening to this. Pick one. They're going to tailgate. Yeah. And uh, and you'll tailgate anyway. And the tailgating's phenomenal. If you compare it to some Jacks fans have been to Nebraska. I don't really know much about the t- tailgating at TCF They've, in Minnesota. I, from what I gather, most of them have already got it set up. It's, I know the Jack Illustrated guys yeah. have like a. Yeah. A thing set up, and you know Seth Benson, the linebacker for Iowa. Yeah. His dad is good buds with Zach Hines, SDSU, Washington. Seth and Zach were teammates. Yeah. I, I I think I was talking to Chuck Benson the other day. Like they're going to tailgate together. It's going to oh, yeah. be a big whole group of yeah. Jacks fans and Iowa fans, and you know it's 
People have been planning for this for a long like, time. Nebraska's got decent tailgating, but it's right downtown, and there isn't as it's not just this big vast parking lot around the stadium. Yeah, it's little pockets. Now that you mentioned that, Nebraska's yeah, Nebraska's more of a downtown because it's right downtown. Yeah, it's more of a downtown bar drinking place. Iowa and Kinnick Stadium, that is a fucking tailgating. That's like Arrow, it's not quite Arrowhead Stadium, but it's the same concept. It's uh, they love the tailgate. So what? Um, let's just, I mean. If you've read Zim's preseason stuff, you've read Zim's preseason stuff, and you know how things have built and what the storylines are of the team are, and it's game week, so let's go right in. If they if if, if the Jacks win this game, how do they do that? How do they do it? Well, it's hard to say because, uh, you know, the strength of the Jacks is the offense, uh, but Iowa's strength is their defense. They have a really really good defense. It's tempting to think it's going to be a high scoring game because the Jacks have a good offense. You don't know how Iowa's going to. You know what they're going to see from them. I mean, we saw it most of the games that the Jacks. I shouldn't say most of the games, but a lot of the times when Jack the Jacks have played FCS teams, um, they've they've had some success offensively because they've always had good playmakers. And there's just an unfamiliarity, you know. Um, and then on the flip side, the Jacks' defense I think has a lot more question marks than their offense does. So you'd think Iowa would have a chance to take advantage of that, and that you're maybe looking at a high-scoring game. Um, but Iowa's offense was their big question mark last year. They, you know, they they only scored like 20 points a game or something. It might not even been that. They've got a lot of questions. You know, the offense wasn't great, and they lost their thousand-yard running back and their All-American center, I believe it was. So it's does that mean it's going to be a low-scoring game? Maybe. I mean, that that seems kind of counter, counterintuitive this time of year and with what both teams have. Iowa likes to keep it low. I mean, they don't love it, but. They do ball control offense, and just yeah, I don't know if they'll try to shorten the game, so to speak. That's not yeah. something you generally do when you're the overdog, but yeah, I don't that's know. True, but that's generally what they do. Right? I mean, they just don't yeah. do very many exotic things. So unless you're paper mache, not not very often does Iowa just go for forty nine or fifty six on mm-hmm. you, unless you're Nebraska a couple times the last <laughs> few years. Um, you know, the most they're going to get, and, and they, they pretty much, it's like an NFL team. I mean, they'll just kind of really step off the gas if it gets to be 35 to 10 or something like that. They're not going to embarrass you. Although, I mean, these days you kind of feel like you have to if you have college football playoff dreams and hopes mm-hmm. dancing in your head, which, I mean, I don't think Iowa has a shot at that, but you win the Big Ten West and you only have one loss and you win the Big Ten title game, maybe. Um, they were number two in the nation last year for five minutes, and oh my god, that's right! Remember, yeah. and then Purdue smoked them, and Purdue was that's not even ranked. At right, that, yeah. I know you. I know you. Uh, I know you're not a Colin Coward fan, but he, he, when in 2015, when Iowa had that 12 and 0 start, the the uh, the fake idea of college football is what Colin Coward always referred to Iowa as the <laughs> fake idea of college football. They're trying. You know, they they think they look and play the part, but they know they know they're not of age. Most years when they have a big record and they they get into the top five, it's because they haven't fucking played anybody. And Ohio State's not on their schedule or hasn't been on it yet. And mm-hmm. then they get exposed and they get turned away at the you know at the real clubs. Um, but I but they are maddeningly consistent, and it's kind of like Kansas State for what USD has in store down in. Manhattan, as far as the type of team you're going to play, just they're not going to make mistakes. You're, and so you better not make mistakes. And um, you're probably going to have to have a few explosive plays, which the Jacks are perfectly capable of. I thought one of the – not that I've been following moment by moment SDSU summer camp, but the, the soundbite slash quote from Stiegelmeyer that didn't blow me away, but I'm like, wow, is that, you know, he, he and the offensive staff, the hardest thing about this offense is – making everybody happy there's so many weapons 
how do you make how do you make everybody happy? Mm-hmm. That's a spoil of riches that they have. <clears throat> do you, do, I mean, do, are they going to have a run first mentality or um, a Tucker Craft mentality? Or that's a really good question because I don't think they've ever been this balanced before, you know, or at least not for a while. Um, you know, you go back to, I guess, the beginning of this sort of. I don't want to call it dynasty because they haven't won a championship, but the beginning of this 10-year run of them being a, a playoff team it started in sort of the Zach Zenner era where obviously they leaned very heavily on a, a bell cow running back and they were a run-first team. You know, had good – you know, Austin Sumner was there. Jason Schneider was there. You know, they had a, a capable passing game, but Zach was kind of the, you know, the bread and butter. Then Zach graduates, and it takes him a second – to reload at running back, but they had Taron Christian, they had Jake Winicky, they had Dallas Goddard. So they made a real smooth transition from being this ground and, I don't want to say ground and pound again, that's overstating it, but kind of a run first team to being more of a pass first team, especially when Taron Christian established himself. All of a sudden you got this great quarterback, great receivers, NFL tight end, and they became pretty clearly a pass first team. Also, they had good running backs, but they didn't have a Zach Zenner. Well, now, okay. Taron Christian is gone. Jake Winicky's gone. Dallas Goddard's gone, and Pierre Strong emerges as you know, kind of the na- the next Zach Zenner, basically. And for the last couple of years, they've kind of leaned back in that direction. You know, sure they had Chris Oladokun last year and Jackson Yankee and Tucker Craft, but they also had Pierre Strong and Isaiah Davis. You know, I, th- I think they were a little bit of a, a more of a run first team, you would say. Well, now this year, Gronowski's comes back, and he's a run first quarterback, or at least he was in the spring season when he was a true freshman. Um, but Pierre Strong's gone. Isaiah Davis is obviously very capable, but I don't know how healthy he is or if he's ready to be a 25-carry a, a, a game guy. And then, you know, Jackson Yankee has gone from being, yeah, that guy's pretty good, to, holy shit, he's really good. He's a number one. He's a potential NFL dude. Jaden Yankee's just as good as he is. Tucker Craft is an is the next Dallas Goddard. Zach Hines is a maybe a little bit different kind of tight end, but yeah. he's probably an NFL guy too. So all of a sudden you have – four potential, you know, all-American caliber pass catchers. I haven't even mentioned Landon Wolf, who used to start for Oklahoma State. Now he's their number three receiver. I mean, they're loaded in the passing game. number three receiver. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they're loaded in the passing game. Yeah. But you got Gronowski. You've got Isaiah Davis. Um, so it'll be it, – it, genuinely, I'm very – and plus, also, Zach Lujan's a new offensive coordinator, so we don't really know necessarily what he's going to do. How right. much what, – what does he want this offense's bread and butter to be? Um, so it's. I think that's one of the most intriguing questions, and I don't think it'll necessarily be answered in the Iowa game because that's a little bit of an outlier. You know, you might do things a little bit differently in that game. I'm genuinely curious to see what this offense looks like, how they balance things out. I asked Zach Lujan that question point blank at the start of camp. How do you keep everyone happy? There's not enough balls to go around. And I asked that question to Jackson Yankee. I asked that question to um, Tucker Craft, yeah. and they all said basically like there just isn't there aren't enough balls to go around. There's too many studs on this offense to get everyone their numbers. So the way that you handle that is kind of make sure, is everyone here on the same page? Do we all understand that we're not going to all get the ball as much as we want? As much as Jackson Yankee would like to have nine catches for 140 yards in every game, he's just not. As much as Tucker Kraft would like to have six catches for 100 yards every game, he's just not. Isaiah Davis might have games where he rushes 28 times. He might have games where he rushes 13 times. As long as everyone kind of understands that yes. and says, whatever it takes to win, and I know that's such a cliche, yeah. but it matters because you've seen players before where you can tell they're not as, they want their numbers. They want the ball. They're less worried about 
I don't care if we won. Did I get my numbers? Because they have visions of grandeur or whatever. Mm-hmm. I do. I truly think that the Jacks' offense, their skill players in particular, have all bought in. Yeah. Tucker, and it, it's. I think it starts with Tucker Craft because he's the one who is definitely going to the NFL. Yeah. He's He's the number one out of all those guys. Right. And he's the one saying, raising his hand and saying. He, he literally said, and I quote, I don't give a shit how many catches I get. That was his direct quote to me. Okay. He's like, I want to win. All right. And when the number one guy on the offense, the guy who everyone knows is going to get drafted, stands up and says, I'm more worried about us winning games than me getting as many yeah. catches as I can, then I think everyone else kind of falls in line. Yeah, maybe, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, yeah. if you throw in the, uh, the naughty word, then it's for real, right? Now it's <laughs> well, for real. Well, if you've met Tucker Kraft, you know he, that he's, you know. <laughs> He's uh, very much a what you see is what you get, no nonsense kind of dude. But yeah. but but it, it's meaningful. I think that he's he's that you know forceful about it. Like well, th- this is what matters. Let's do a quick detour on that. Um, if he, uh, do, do you think he'll play college football beyond this year? Uh, if he stays healthy this year and has another good year, I think he will enter the NFL draft. Okay. If he did play college football again, do you think it'd be at South Dakota State? I don't think he's gonna. <laughs> Although, ironically, I said the same thing about Baylor Shireman, and look what happened. Yeah, right. Um, but Tucker's already had that opportunity. He was given that opportunity this summer. Oh, oh so this was the one, because I did, I, did, I did read the, those big stories that, that you wrote. And so he was, the, was he the one that was offered six, a six-figure deal at a major college with a 100,000-seat stadium? More than that. And a big, yeah. okay. Yeah. Was this Michigan, or can we not say who I it can't was? say who it is. Okay, because um, you mentioned a coaching a coaching name as well, so I tried to put two and two together. So he, he so what? Remind people they didn't read the story or forget. He was like, offered. Why did he turn it down? He was offered a lot of money and some other benefits to go to uh, multiple major conference schools. Yes. Okay. And um, and he said, yeah, it was tempting. Yeah, I thought about it, but he said one, the whole thing felt kind of skeezy the way it was. It's this you know third party collectives that they have now at these big schools. Yeah. But basically. I think the SDSU coaches had to re-recruit him a little bit. But the thing is, Tucker is so good. Like he has Tucker has an advantage that Baylor Shireman did not. Tucker Craft okay. knows he is an NFL player. He doesn't have to go to Creighton. I know Creighton doesn't have football, but you know what I mean. Yeah. He doesn't have to go to X Big Ten school, SEC school, whatever, yeah. to get noticed by the NFL. The NFL already knows about him. And Dallas Goddard is sort of the blueprint. Like, NFL teams don't have to wonder, mm, can we really trust a tight end from South Dakota State? Yes, you can. The best tight end in the NFL right yeah. now is from South Dakota State. Right. You know, so he, he was able to look at it and go, okay, yeah, I can get a six figures from some school right now, but I'm going to be making millions in a couple years anyway. So it's more important to me to be loyal to the school I committed to, and that's what he did. Well, that's what made – but this is partly – Baylor Shireman, uh, to be fair to him – Yeah couldn't necessarily do that because Baylor might not make it to the NBA. Right. He, he, can't, he can't just say, oh, I'm going to the NBA anyway, so I don't yeah. care. He, he's not in the same position. Yeah, and so for, for Tucker to make it and make it big out of South Dakota State and to make it big out of South Dakota State potentially this upcoming draft, obviously then, well, that, 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 this, is a, this is a big game on Saturday. Yeah. I know he doesn't give a shit how many balls he catches, but A, they're probably going to need him if he is the best, if if he, if he is the best player then he's going to have to have a big game, and he he himself individually is going to have to have a big game because this is really the only chance he's going to get to show people I can, you know, and I I am not the first person that is able to tell you I'm sorry I have not spent a summer researching college football or even the Iowa Hawkeyes, so I don't know what kind of a defense they have or what kind of size they have on defense, what kind of uh, coverage they'll have, either linebackers or defensive backs, but 
Uh, you know, they're probably bigger, better players than most of the other ones he's going to face all year long. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, he, I mean, he better perform well. I mean, this, that, that's your golden opportunity to have some film for NFL scouts. Like, the, you know, this is how well I play mm -hmm. against the closest thing that there is to NFL players that I'm going to play against. Yeah. So, big day for him. Yep. I mean, we've seen that in the past. Although at the same, you know, one reason I thought for sure Jake Winnicky was going to get drafted and get an opportunity in the NFL was every time he played an F FBS opponent, he had a huge game. Yeah. He still didn't get drafted, so I yeah, don't know. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. Um, also, uh, I was talking to Zach Borg earlier today from Dakota News Now, and, and, and Tucker's probably told you the same thing, that apparently the NFL scouts want him to ju – they just need to – he needs the most improvement in his blocking. Is what, and to me, that's a good sign. Because they're already sold on the rest get, of Because you can get away. I mean, I, 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 I'm guessing there's quite a few awesome pass-catching tight ends out of college who weren't the best of blockers. Yeah. And there's going to be there's going to be somebody that's going to take a flyer on you within the first couple of rounds if you're that. If you're that. It's good. interesting to hear that though, because it's not like Tucker isn't a good blocker. I mean, there are examples on tape of him destroying people. He can do that. I don't remember how great of a blocker Dallas Goddard was. I certainly don't think he, like he was. He didn't have a reputation of being like, oh, this guy is only a receiver. He can't block anybody. Um, and he's gotten better since he's gotten the NFL. I mean, he's nowadays Dallas Goddard grades out well as a blocking tight end in the NFL while also being an outstanding receiver. Tucker's the same way. I mean, I'm sure they're telling him that's what he needs to work on, but <laughs> he's yeah. the total package. Tucker right. Craft is really good. And what's – What's wildly intriguing about this game as well, again, I don't know that. First thing about Iowa this year, they're usually defensively sound. They're really good on defense. They think this could be one of the best defenses they've ever had. There you go. Yeah. Um, and so right out of the gates, first game Mark Gronowski's played in over a year. Right. How's that going to look? So how's he been looking um, at camp? I think he physically he looks really good. I think he's he's back, so to speak. Um, I've been to a couple practices where he threw some interceptions where he didn't look super sharp, um, but that's fairly common. You know, I, I, there have been a lot of seasons where, you know, I watch a quarterback in preseason, I'm like, geez, this guy doesn't look so great, and then the season starts and he just lights it up. You know, um, everything I've heard about Mark has been encouraging, and you know, it's one thing when Stig, because you know, Stig generally doesn't you know come down on guys too hard but you know I, I like to think I have a pretty good rapport with Zach Lujan who's a very honest guy and he's been very high on Mark and not just the physical stuff you know he's like he's doing all the right stuff as far as we're trying to teach him how to have a better pre-snap plan how to read defenses because they've all they've all kind of admitted he didn't even really know how to do that when he was a true oh. freshman in the spring wow they were kind of like just go out there and and just react and make plays because he was a true freshman, but he sort of had to play, yeah. and, it, and it worked. And they had him run the ball a lot. And I mean, I think the obvious question mark is how much is he going to run? Because, one, is, is he fully as explosive as a runner as he was before the knee injury? I mean, he's young enough that that's certainly possible. This is not like a 36-year-old coming back <laughs> from a torn ACL. You know, yeah. he's 20 years yeah. old. There's no reason to think he can't be just as fast and just as athletic as he was before. But we don't know. And secondly... Do you want to run him as much as he did just because you're exposing him to injury again? Yeah. You know, I mean, when he's his freshman year, when he was playing in the spring, they had Jabore Gibbs. Now, Jabore wasn't fully 100% either, and then he ended up getting hurt and all that. They had Keaton Heidi, too, and they still have Keaton Heidi, and they have Rudy Voss and some other guys. There's some quarterback depth there, but 
I'm I'm genuinely curious to see how much they're going to run him because I asked Zach that question point blank, and when I asked him, I said, "Look, I realize you can't come right out and tell everyone what you're going to do. You know, I know you want to have some sort of element of surprise, but how are you going to handle that?" And he said, "He can run, and we want him. We want him to run. We want to use that." But the 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 gist of Zach's answer was, "We're hoping that he's so much improved as a passer that we won't have to run him as much." You know, part sure. of the reason they ran him so much in 2020, the, the spring season, was they sort of had to. Yeah. You know, they're hoping they don't need to anymore. And again, not just from Mark being improved, but Tucker Craft that spring season hadn't really arrived yet. Well. Zach Hines hadn't arrived yet. The Yankee twins were good, but they had not yet developed into the players they are now. I mean, like I said, that's four really, really good wide receivers. Five when throwing Landon Wolf, like I mentioned. None of those guys were there the last time Mark was a quarterback. I mean, they were there, but not who they are now. Yeah, it sounds like it's uh, be much healthier to distribute more, obviously, yeah. and 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 use and pick your spots wisely. Yeah, with Jackson Yankee told me after the first practice, he's like, "I hope Mark just keeps his butt in the pocket and doesn't run." And well, he was half joking, but he was also kind of, of half serious. Like, "Hey, throw it to us. We'll yeah. we'll do it." Hello. You know? Yeah. Uh, well, that, that's the beautiful thing is. Uh, you know, there's two more questions: the offensive line and the offensive coordinator. Yeah, if you can get, if you can make simple plays to guys who are studs once they get the ball in their hands, that or really hard to tackle like the Yankee Twins, uh, or like Tucker Craft, then then now you're then now you're cooking with gas. But still, there's going to be those situations where you need a little time to throw. Uh, so, I mean, how's the offensive line? Well, they moved Garrett Greenfield from right tackle to left tackle which means their left side is as good as any in the country. Got Greenfield at tackle, Mason McCormick at left guard. Those two guys next to each other are two of the best in the country. Okay. And it's funny, you know, what, if I'm an opposing team, that means like, okay, they're going to run it to the left every time they run the ball, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and I asked them about that, and they said, well, you know, obviously we don't want to be that predictable. And they feel good about the guys they have on the right side, but those guys are inexperienced. And I don't even know who it's necessarily going to be because – uh, the guy who was penciled in to be the right guard has been hurt all through camp. I don't know okay. if he's going to be ready to go. Uh, Bo Donald, who I think is going to be the right tackle, he's had some injury issues too. Uh, they do have Gus Miller moving. He split time at right guard with his brother, Eddie Miller, last year. Now Gus is moving inside to center. I think he's going to be really good there. Gus is shorter, stockier. He's got sort of the build for center. He was a great wrestler, which I think works really well at that position. And he's really smart. Um, I think he's going to be real solid. But that right side of the line is a question mark. And it makes you wonder, our defense is going to you know, pick on that side? Are they going to you know, put their, their yeah. best pass rushers on the right side? Are they going to anticipate almost all the running plays going to the left behind Mason and Garrett? So we'll see how that plays out. But even if those other two guys on the right side are just pretty good, you know, it's going to be a pretty good offensive line. And then what what have you been able to gleam off of uh, watching Jack's camp and practices with whatever Zach Lujan will bring to the table that's been different from Jason Eck? Um, not much, just from what, you know, I, I honestly am not trying to break down their it's kind play of, calls it's when I'm watching hard to, scrimmage. It's, yeah, yeah it's, it's, and, you know, that kind of sounds like a layman's question because it's not – Sometimes every now and then they might do two-minute drills and stuff like that, but yeah. I don't know if you can well, really – Well, I'll say this. I don't see nearly as many trick plays as I saw in, yeah. in practice as I did when uh, Jason was there. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, th- there's a there's a school of thought that because Zach's a quarterback and Jason was an old line guy that that meant Jason wanted to run it all the time and Zach's going to throw it all the time. I don't think that's true. 
I mean, Zach's a, a very, very. Have you ever met Zach Luhan? I haven't. He's I mean, a very uh, intellectual, thoughtful. Takes his time to think things out, and you know everything is very deliberate with Zach. That was the impression I've been given. Yeah, he is not going to coach emotionally, and Jason Eck did. Yeah, for better or worse. Uh-huh. Most of the time, I would say better. Sure. Uh, but it's funny. I talked to Jason after he left, and one of the questions I asked him what it was uh, as he's taking over Idaho. I said, you know, what did you learn from John Stiglmeyer? And he said one of the best things I learned from John was just to slow down, take some time, take a deep breath, yeah. think things out, don't react, don't jump to conclusions, don't, you know, because he said, I'm an emotional guy, I'm a heart-on-my-sleeve guy, I tend to, you know, get coached that way. And he said, John really helped me with that. Gee, and th- this is what Scott Frost needs. He <laughs> needs to spend some time with John, <laughs> John Stiglmeyer. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Um, and I'm not, I, I, as you know, was a big fan of Jason Eck, and I think his players appreciated that side of, of Jason. Of course. It's fun. Um, yeah, it's absolutely. more fun that way. Zach is not like that, and that's not a criticism of Zach either. Um, he's just like I said. He's not gonna. He's not gonna be a guy who's gonna coach emotionally. I don't think. You know, he's gonna be very deliberate about what he does, and uh, we'll see if that means. You know, you know how, how they're gonna divide, spread the ball around. If they're gonna run more, if they're gonna pass more, whatever. God. But, but I just know that I'd, Zach strikes me as the kind of guy who's gonna not necessarily try to. Force a square peg through a round hole. Yeah. You know what I mean? How old is his ex? Can't be much more than thirty years old. Can oh, he? Oh, he's not even thirty. He's probably twenty-seven. Imagine being <laughs> twenty-seven years old and your your first game that you're calling plays is Kinnick Stadium, seventy thousand, yeah. Iowa, with a pretty good defense. Yeah. And uh, another thing, and I, wow. I don't want to give away everything I'm putting in this story I'm going to work on, but I am doing a story on Zach taking over as the O coordinator, and I talked to almost everyone on the offense to get their take, uh, but I talked to Zach too. And one of the questions I said to ask Zach is I said, you know, offensive coordinator is usually the least popular guy on a football team. You know, when you have success, it's because of all your great players. And when you don't have success, it's your fault because you're stupid and you're calling dumb plays. And he kind of chuckled and he's like, yeah, I, I know. And, and I said, you know, you've never done this. You're what, 28 years old, however you know, young he is. He was just playing there a few years ago. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for that? You know, are you nervous, not nervous, but just prepared for, you know, that side of the job that comes with it? And I was expecting him to maybe be like, yeah, you know, he was just like, I don't care, Matt. He's like, I I don't care. He's like, that stuff, whatever. I don't get, you know, that, that kind of, like, I I think I would have been able to tell if he didn't, if that was just something he was just saying, you know, like he felt like it was the right thing to say. I could tell he meant it. And I I took that as a good sign. Like, I think this guy is as young as he is and yeah. as inexperienced as he is. He's ready for this gig. He understands nice. what he's getting into. Uh, unload whatever you have on on Iowa. It seems like you've you've digested a little bit. A little. I mean, I haven't watched up. any yeah. video yet. I, I might a little bit before the game, but uh, I know. And I, I picked Austin Bramley's brain a little bit when I ran into sure. him at a good idea. high school game the other that's, day. That's a good idea. Um, their quarterback is coming back, but he wasn't great last year, and sounds like he wasn't very popular. Um, people are expecting him to take a big step forward, but sounds like maybe that's hope as much as it is an actual expectation. Uh, they they had a 1,000-yard running back last year, but overall as a team, they were not a very good running team. I think they averaged about three yards a carry. And like I said, they lost their center, who was a first-round draft pick, I think. So their best offensive lineman is gone. Um, they have a really good tight end coming back. 
Um, maybe their best wide receiver is Cade Johnson's little brother, Keegan Johnson. He's bigger than Cade. I don't know if he's as fast or faster, uh, but he's a deep threat. He averaged about 19 yards a catch last year. And then, like I said, their defense was very good, and I think they returned eight starters on that defense, something like that. And uh, they're, they're talking about this could be as good a defense as they've ever had. And, you know, the cool thing is one of the big pieces of that is Seth Benson, who was supposed to go to SDSU, you know, whose entire family went to SDSU. He's their starting weak side linebacker. Yeah. And uh, was, I think, honorable mention all Big Ten last oh, yeah. year. He was great, really good. Great player, great kid. I'm going to talk to him tomorrow. Uh, I'm looking forward to asking him, you know, what this game is like because Zach Hines is one of his best friends. He's going to be tackling him during the game, <laughs> you know. And uh, and obviously, you know, he knows that this is a team he at one time planned on playing for, so that will be fun. But, uh, you know, they have high expectations. I, you, know, I, you know, a team like Iowa, you kind of alluded to it earlier, they've, they've always been sort of, I, I think you could say, on the second tier of college football powers they're always I mean, ranked they're always a bowl team but do we ever really consider them national championship no. contenders not really what's great and even it, what's last what, year when they were briefly ranked number two in the country i mean we all kind of laugh because they're like how long is this gonna last and then right. purdue kicked their ass the next week exactly you know? yeah i mean they just again maddeningly consistent and 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 that works mostly for them you know i mean they they, they go eight and four almost every year so yeah. that's you're winning twice as much as you lose but uh, they they only they just only get to a certain point. They don't usually have an explosive enough offense. You know, once every now and then, I mean, they scored fifty. They beat Ohio State fifty-five to twenty-seven or something like that one year. Um, they just love to keep things close to the vest. Keep things close on the scoreboard. Don't make dumb mistakes in the punting game. Don't call fucking onside kicks in the third <laughs> quarter when you're up by 11 points and you've got all the momentum like Scott Frost did. You know, they've, they've got Kirk Ferens is somebody who, when I was a Nebraska sports talk show host, would love to call a big fraud. But, I mean, he, I mean, he in general, it's kind of like Kansas State, Chris Kleiman, or North Dakota State. Iowa reminds me a lot of uh, North Dakota State. I mean, just um, an unflappable outfit. But uh, in Iowa's case... Beatable, and I think this should be a close game. I'm, I'm trying to look up the line for this on Monday night. I haven't found it yet. I haven't either. But I, I just I can't imagine it not being a game for a while. I don't know, you know, if I'm going to call it deep into the fourth quarter, but I would I would be surprised. If what do you it think the line will be? Halftime, thirteen or fourteen. I was going to say twelve. Yeah, yeah, fourteen. I think yeah. South Dakota State has enough respect now from odds uh-huh. makers that you know, having popped up a time or two in these kind of games, that yeah. And again, Iowa's nature is not to right. blow anybody out. Right. But uh, last year, the Jacks beat Colorado State forty-two to twenty. Iowa beat Colorado State twenty-four fourteen. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There you go. I remember that too. I mean, and, that was probably Iowa's one of their worst performances well, of the year. But they, still, but yeah. they're capable of those. Right. Right. And, right. and when you and when we mentioned their limited quarterback and their limited offense, okay. Well, South Dakota State can get up on the if South Dakota State can get up on them. Get up by at least a right. score That's a good or point. two. Yeah, that is not an offense that is used to being able to um, to Play throw much behind. back at you. Yep. Yeah. Well, we do you have a prediction? Uh, I think I was going to win by two scores. Um, I won't be surprised if it's less than that. I won't. I'll be a little surprised if the Jacks win. I won't be shocked. Yeah, sure. Um, I think we're at that point. Like I said, I, I imagine it playing out a little bit similar. To maybe the their game against TCU five or six years ago. Not that I was anything like TCU, but just Jacks will be in it for two quarters, three quarters into the fourth. Yeah. And let's face it, some of it too is 
usually the way the game is called by the officials tends to favor the other team a little bit. I'm yep. not saying there's some big conspiracy or anything, but that's just kind of how the game tends to go. Yep. yep. Um, and, you know, depth and size and all those things, the longer the game goes, the more that favors the team with 25 more scholarships, you know, and, and bigger guys on their team. So, yes. you know, so, yeah, I, I'm thinking Iowa, like, 31-21, something like that. But, yeah, that makes sense. You know, we'll see. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say much different than that. It, thirty something to twenty something. Yeah. Thirty thirty four to twenty three. I mean something I, something I, that. Ballpark. I would be shocked if I. I shouldn't say shocked. I almost am never shocked. I would be surprised if Iowa really blew them away. You know, if, yep. it, if it was not a competitive game right. at any point, that right. would surprise me a little bit. Um, well, no matter what, read Matt Zimmer's tweets and his Argus Leader coverage. And I am a Dakota News Now guy now. Uh, watch the highlights on Dakota News Now. Zach Borg's going to be there covering the game. He'll send back highlights, and I am going to do a television sportscast for the first time in 18 years on Saturday. I will be doing the sportscast 6 and 10 and 9 oh, for boy. Dakota News Now. So Zach will do most of the hefty li- heavy lifting with because uh, at least – most of the sports cast at six is going to be just the South Dakota State Iowa game, and then we'll pour on the USD highlights and a couple of big high school football games on later in that evening. Do you know is the K State USD game also an eleven o'clock kickoff? It is a six o'clock kickoff. Ooh, yeah. I see, so which presents some. Listen to that on the radio on the presents, way home, I guess. Presents yeah. some challenges for the. Uh, Guy doing his first TV sportscast in uh, uh-huh. 18 years when the game is in prime time and the high, we we are going to be running up against it with uh, the late show highlights. But uh, it's okay. Zach trained me well today. Uh, so let's get to that. You know, I, we've I've heard complaints in the past about this podcast. Who's a Jackrabbit podcast? Well, well it's I don't with know. the Jackrabbit beat writer. So yes, <laughs> and uh, you know, until you have the a consistent top five ranked team. Uh, and uh, the interest level, you see the numbers, man. There's nothing against Coyote fans. I, I, I love going to Coyote games. I like coming to Coyotes. I, I hope they do well. Uh, but so, yeah, they're playing a uh, an FBS opponent as well, a Power 5 opponent Michael as well. Michael McCleary will be covering that game for of, us in Kansas. Of course. And, uh, look, if they beat K-State and South Dakota State doesn't beat Iowa, then, of course, the, the Yotes are the big story yep. over the weekend, and we'll talk a lot more about them next week. So yeah, that is Michael's beat, but um, you know, you know, you know a thing or two. Um, I like USD t- this year. Okay. I, I think they're underrated. Uh, the problem is they have literally the most difficult schedule in the nation. Um, you know, they got K State tomorrow or uh, Saturday. I believe they have Montana, Cal Poly. I'm not exactly sure. It might not be Cal Poly. One of the, one of the good schools out west, and uh, and then I think they open conference play. With North Dakota State, maybe. So, I mean, they're looking at the potential to be, you know, one and three, one and four, or something like that, coming out of the gate. If if they're, you know, and that that wouldn't necessarily be mean that they shit themselves. They're just playing that many really good teams to start. Now, because their schedule is recognized as being as tough as it is, they might be one of those teams that could anticipate being in the playoffs at six and five yep. at the end of yep. the year. Certainly, seven and four will probably get them in. Uh, and I think they're capable of that. The challenge, I think, is going to be for Bob Nielsen to kind of keep the ship together, so to speak, yeah. early on. If they do, t- I mean, if they are sitting there at one and four, you know, that that can have an effect on a team's morale. You know, and also just physically, are they going to get the shit beat out of them? How healthy are they going to be after four or five games? I'm not. I, I can't imagine Bob Nielsen's going to go before the team at some point before the year and go, guys, we're probably going to be one and four, okay? Yeah. You know, he's obviously not going to do right. that. But 
I think everyone kind of understands that something like that is a possibility. And so I think if they can, if they can just hold it together, if they can not get down, if things are difficult early on, I really like their team. I just really like their roster. I think they're deeper. I think they're more balanced. I think Carson Camp's going to be better. I mean, if they had Nate Thomas at running back, you know, I, I'd feel a little bit better. That's a blow to them. But that whole running back room is just a lot better than it was a couple of years ago. Their offensive line has another year of experience. Uh, I think they're a good good football team. You know, I, they're not even are they ranked? I think they're not ranked in the preseason poll, which is silly. But I get it. You can't just have the top ten teams all be Valley teams. But, <laughs> um, I, I like their team. It's just like I said, how well they're able to weather that early stretch of their schedule. So you running backs are better. Offensive line is better. Anything well, else? Well, it's been. I think it's uh, maybe minus a guy or two. It's basically been the same offensive line for three yeah. years now. Okay. So you get that much continuity with that group, and you know, Sometimes you got Alex, that can Alex be a good Jensen's thing. an NFL guy. I, I, yeah. Isaac, uh, I think Gertis is. It is. I, I shouldn't say these guys' names because I always forget them because I don't cover them enough. But uh, one of their other offense, Irby's, maybe it is. Anyway couple really good studs on that offensive line. That group's right. been together a while. Um, like I said, I just think they have a good football team. And, and I've always said I like Bob Nielsen. I think he's a good football sure. coach. Right. Uh, well, he's he has the personality that, re, that where you'd think his teams would reflect, uh, kind of like we've described Iowa. North Dakota State doesn't have to be exotic in what they do. They just beat the piss out of everybody at the line of scrimmage. And they're fucking loaded again this year. And, uh, yeah, but, you know, Iowa and K-State are the same outfits. I just thought anybody who comp- anybody who hemmed and hawed about Chris Kleiman getting hired at Kansas State, because even, even though everybody knows that North Dakota State could probably be, you know, be a 500 team in a Power 5 conference. A, fi- a 500, I don't think that's an exotic statement to make. They'd win most of the group of five conferences. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, it's – it's a perfect – it was just a perfect uh, personality, cultural fit because K-State under Bill Snyder, who, uh, by the way, coached for Hayden Fry at Iowa and Kirk, so did Kirk Ferentz, and it's very much it, – it feels like a Frank Solch press conference. Frank Solch was the coach at Nebraska. No matter who Nebraska was playing that Saturday at his weekly press conference when asked about the opponent, Frank Solch, one of the most boring people you've ever heard, would say, well, they're uh, – they're very uh, good. They're very physical. They're sound in what they do. He would say that about every team. That's but like, what most coaches say every. Phys- yeah, it's, well, I've heard Nielsen say that a lot. But Bo Pelini was a very physical. Very yeah, physical. Yes, Bo Pelini yeah. would say that as well. Very but, physical. But when, well, it's football. When you hear the so word I would sound, hope so. <laughs> you hear the word sound a lot. Like, what the fuck does that mean? You know, it's it kind of means the same thing as solid. But they're very sound. Mm. But like, there actually are models of what sound football looks like. And Iowa, North Dakota yeah. State, Kansas State are all those things. And so Kleiman was, a, I just thought, was a perfect cultural fit. And uh, and that is what Kansas State is and is becoming under Chris Kleiman again. So USD better not make a bunch of mistakes. And KSU is also uh, really good in special teams. You know, teams the like Oats should have won at Kansas State the last time they were there. Four just years like, ago, 2018. Yeah. And what made the difference? And that wasn't even a great USD team. I think they went like five and six that year. Uh, was, or was, was that, that the Strevler year? I don't know if that was a Strevler year. I don't think or it was the Strevler year. Coyote but I, I could be wrong. Uh, I think the Strevler year was 2017. But yeah. anyway. Uh, special teams made a difference in that game, and that's the other thing about these teams that are not explosive and not flashy, but they they either are really good or never screw up in special teams. And that's another Nebraska thing where they look like an awesome team getting off the bus. They always have preseason hype, and then they fuck up, you know, mm-hmm. extra points and punts and everything else. 
And uh, so, again, KSU's probably good at that. So it's just USD's going to have to play nearly flawless to stay in it. And also, K-State has one of the best pass rushers in the Big 12. He wears number 91. I can't tell you his name. It's one of those really long ones. But I heard Bob Nielsen talking about it on his weekly show heading over with John Thayer. And so Carson Camp better be able to handle the pass rush pretty well. So I did text. I did my my meager research for this podcast. I asked uh, Coyote Eric, you know, how does Carson Camp handle pressure? Said early last year wasn't as well. Early last year wasn't as well as later. Not sure what he. I'm not sure if there was a missed text or much later. Wasn't as good later. Early last year wasn't as well. Oh, he handled it well early in the year. Wasn't as good later. Okay, well. Hard to know how that's going to translate against. Uh, well, the different USD's got some depth in that room, though, too. Bringing Aiden Bauman from Iowa State. Okay. Todd Bauman's kid. Oh yeah. From Iowa State. Oh yeah. He's like six six two thirty or something. I might be exaggerating, but he's a mountain. Is Todd Bauman still the p- football coach at Pipestone? I thought he was a high, high school coach in Buffalo. Oh okay. I, I don't he know was at Pipestone. Well, that's where he's from. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't I thought know. He coached Pipestone for a while. Anyway, anything else to say about USDK State? That's as much as I know. <laughs> I want as long as we're still here, and I'm not going to make it home by 8 o'clock. Yeah, it is 8 o'clock, let literally. Me, let me, I'll, I'll We've give literally you the, be on for an hour. I'll give you the floor. I want to hear it. Nebraska. What's, what's? I didn't ask for the floor. Well, I'm giving it to you. I want the floor. <laughs> I don't really fucking care. Yes, yeah, see, don't, don't do that. Don't be that guy that's like, oh, I don't even care anymore. I'm still in, in on the twins, <laughs> even though they're... Sinking you, like a stone. You, well, I don't yeah, hear what you think yeah. About you've been watching. I, by the way, I gave you the. I gave you that seat today because we get because the Twins are on the big screen right behind me, and uh, how it was one nothing Red Sox when it it's started. Two nothing it's two nothing now. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, I mean, now, I watched the game and it's go funny. On, go ahead. I uh, I wasn't enjoying Nebraska shitting on themselves as much as I sometimes do, and I think it's, it's because kind of old, isn't it? I'm starting to feel bad for Scott Frost. I think that's what it is. Um, He's I the liked, last guy I, you should feel bad I for. I liked the onside kick. Um, well, the, the deal work, but, the, the uh, deal with that is if they get it, it's if they get it, they do probably win the game. And he did correctly say we had the momentum, and that's when you go for an onside kick when you've got the it's momentum true. and yes. you're going for the jugular. It's like mm-hmm. Sean Payton in the Super Bowl. He did it. He went for it. They got it. At the start of the second half. They win, and he's a he's a hero. He's a hero forever, and that's legendary stuff. Um, so if, if the Huskers get it, they probably at least score a field goal there. They go up by two touchdowns, and certainly they don't have the momentum seized from them. And Casey Thompson, the quarterback, was humming, and Nebraska's defense had at that point, midway through the third, they had shut down each of Northwestern's drives, one or two of them, I can't remember. So it was going well, and maybe they probably would have won. Having said that, they fucking didn't. And would they still have been able to win the fucking game if they didn't go for an onside kick in the middle of the third fucking quarter? Yeah, the number still, of, yeah. of fucks you just dropped indicates that you very much still care about this. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's frustrating. And actually, it's on the fucking TV behind you. <laughs> They're replaying it on must be BTN or something. Um, yeah, well, okay, so, I mean, of course, a few people here and there in the Canary's office or at Dakota News Now were asking me in the days leading up to the game, oh, what do you think about Nebraska? <laughs> and I said, okay, I mean, full disclosure, I don't even, I, I honestly do not read, I haven't, I've hardly read anything. You haven't had time. I've had, I haven't had time, true. Right. 
I'm the same with the Vikings. I don't know anything about the Vikings yeah, this year. I Normally just, this time of year really, I'd be all, yeah. But I'm also like, if, they, if there was something about them that was like, they're an actual contender this year, there's actually a bunch of expectations. Um, I mean, it's, it's always a bunch of, it's always a heap full, it's just a truckload full of Kool-Aid out of Lincoln every year. Every year, no yeah. matter how good or bad they're supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, but like if they were nationally, like nationally, people were like, this is, this is their is year. Yeah. I'd be like, okay, I, I might be reading a few columns here and there uh-huh. at least from, from writers that I enjoy. But I don't even bother because the people would ask, how are they going to do? How are they going to do? Did you Have you watched most games under Scott Frost? It's probably going to be close because mm-hmm. they are talented. They have managed to get a bunch of talent. Mm-hmm. Even on the offensive line, which had been a struggle for years, Polini and Riley and early Scott Frost, they actually have a good offensive line. Um, but it's they're going to find a way to fuck it up. It's going to be a close <laughs> game, and they'll find a way to screw it up. And I had a couple of fellow Husker fans go, you know, why do you always have to say? Oh, they were like, why do you always have to say that? Why do you always have to say that? Why, you, that you, why are you being Debbie Downer? Enough? Yeah, why okay. are you like, because I've seen. Because you've seen this movie. Yeah, and I actually, I tweeted that. And uh, nobody likes the tweet because it was not a sexy tweet. <laughs> before, you know, and maybe both. The thing is with Husker fans, whoever followed me on Twitter, which was most of my followers before I moved here six years ago. Uh, they all think I'm a Husker hater, right. and then everybody who lives here who's not who <laughs> thinks I'm a Husker homer. Yeah, welcome and, to my life. I can I can relate, yeah. John. And uh, <laughs> so it's uh, it. So I'm just being Doctor. I'm just being Doctor Spock here. I'm just being a Vulcan. This is what usually happens, and it and it, and it happened again. I tweeted before the game. They're, it's probably going to be close, and they're probably going to screw so, it up. And I hope I'm wrong, and I probably won't be. So are they doomed? Are they going to go four and eight again? I don't know. I mean, that's the only thing they've ever done. Uh, He's done ju- if they have another four oh, and eight. Oh, I mean, right? uh, supposedly he's safe if they go six and six and make a bowl game and take another step. The people in a lot of Husker. I mean, f- I can see that they don't. It's not like they want to get rid of him. He's the golden boy, and they invested so much. I in do. Him and, I'm tired of it. I, but, uh, I, no, I, I'm talking I, about the administration, yeah, the I school. Know. You know. I know. Well, if his name wasn't Scott Frost, he wouldn't be the coach. He'd be long gone. He would yeah. Not, yeah. I mean, Mike Riley got fi- Mike two Riley years, right? Was a goner, three years, three. Nineteen yeah. and nineteen. Scott Frost is fifteen and thirty. Yeah. Like Mike Riley, the Mike Riley era looks com- comparatively uh, successful. Good. Yeah. Um, or not, not to mention Bo Pelini. Or not as depressing. Point, yeah. Well, yeah, you go back to the Pelini years, and they were still they were miserable for me. I, I like nine and seven under Pelini did literally did not feel that different from five and seven under Riley. It did not. But um, yeah, it expectations was expectations were different then. Yeah. Every now and then you go down YouTube rabbit holes here and there, and so every now and then I do I do find a Nebraska football game on uh, YouTube, and then sometimes they'll, they'll give me some Bo Pelini options, and I will kind of be like. Oh yeah, Bo Pelini was the coach. We were ranked number sixteen in the country. That wasn't so bad. <laughs> we didn't win all those games. Uh-huh. In fact, some of them we got blown out, and it was agonizing. But uh, it was kind of nice going into some games having a number behind you. Going uh, to bowl games. And yeah. and, the, and this Nebraska team is capable of that. But I mean, the big thing with with Saturday and with Frost was he's he's been Mr. Golden Boy play caller. You know, he partly got hired off the steam of going 13 and 0 at USF and scoring 50 points a game with a, you know, with just a tornado of an offense. And uh, you know, he had the play. He made, I think he had the play sheet ripped from him by the athletic director, Trell Alberts. He's like, but you go fire your offensive staff and go hire yourself a coordinator. And he did, and he looked like a caged animal, miserable. Scott Frost always looks miserable, just like uh-huh. Bo Pelini always did. But he looked miserable without his little play sheet out there. And early on. 
when things were going well, and Mark Whipple, who's uh, who was a coordinator at Pitt last year, uh-huh. Pitt had one of the best offenses in the country, and he had, they had the Heisman Trophy winner. So I mean, they went out and got supposedly the hot coordinator. Uh-huh. Um, it, I mean, they were humming the first couple drives of the first half, and then the first couple drives of the second half, and th- then the then the broadcasters were selling it like. Oh well, this is great for Scott Frost. He's not buried in the play sheet all the time. Yeah. He can ma- he can just make head coaching decisions and, uh-huh. and do the thirty thousand foot view thing. He's Stig. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, then, and then and then his one big picture move. Was let's <laughs> fucking onside kick. <laughs> so and then he compl- then he had the balls to complain about the play calling. Game yeah, one out yeah, of the gate. Yeah. His sixty-one-year-old uh, offensive coordinator. Yeah, I wish I we would have been more creative. Boxes ears a little bit in the post game. Yeah. Uh, if you've been watching Nebraska football, and and, and and Scott Frost wants to attach his name to credit to credibility. I mean, you know, it's like uh, sorry, I'll just make a Trump. It's like Donald Trump saying, you know, I wish that I wish that other guy would tone it down a little bit. <laughs> I wish that other guy would tone down his rhetoric. You know, uh, so. It's uh, so that yeah, that's where things are. They've got North Dakota this week. Uh, if if they if they lose to North Dakota, I mean he's a gone. I don't know if they'll fire him during the season. I thought it was shitty of someone to ask him in the post game, "Are you going to resign?" Like after one game. I think that was an Irish guy. I think that was one of the like okay. the overseas reporters. Okay, but then anyway, they, go go on. Were you going to finish? I the just sentence? thought that was shitty. To, yeah, I mean. He's it obviously not going to. Yeah. Nor should he, you know. Okay, I'm not, I would never accuse a guy of tanking it, um, so I'm not going to accuse Scott Frost of tanking it. But the guy looks absolutely miserable. And, you know, Big Ten media days, uh, re- reporters and media put too much stock into this. Yeah. But, you know, at these media day things, you get up in, on a podium in front of 500 people in a ballroom and a national television audience on BTN. Nebraska was the first team on the first day of media days. And so everybody's kind of excited because it's a good sign that football's back, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I always hated covering those things. It was just a big waste of a trip to Chicago, I, I thought, you know, because – I could, I could I could do five minutes on Big Ten Media Days, but at the same time, okay, let's let's hear what the man has to say. Obviously, uh-huh. this is an intriguing story. He should have been fired. He's the golden boy. It's not happening for him, um, and he's got one last chance. Is he gonna is he gonna be or seem excited or blow smoke or no? He just he literally goes up there and says, "Okay, questions." He had no statement about his program. He didn't, and part of me respects that. Like everybody else, goes up there and gives the big shiny polishing turd uh, yeah. of a uh, how Labs bigger, forever. stronger, faster PJ yeah. Fleck, basically. Yeah. But part of me is like, you're the fucking face of the program. Say and something. And you're under a lot of heat. You know, act like act like you're. You know, maybe act excited like excited about the season. Or or how about this? Lucky to still have the job. <laughs> yeah, no you should. I mean, he, what a golden opportunity it is for him to write the and. And again, they were doing it on Saturday against Northwestern, but he, um, I just, you know, I just wonder if he wants it to all go away. Like he, uh, it was, his whole history has been this whole love-hate relationship with his home state. When, you know, he chose to go to Stanford and play for Bill Walsh instead of Tom Osborne. When he transferred, he was hazed. I mean, he was hazed like crazy by all these old guard 90s national championship Huskers that, you know, everybody knows about those, those badasses. There's so many places you could go with that statement, but yeah, <laughs> he was not, he was not a well-liked guy because he was the golden boy coming home. Uh-huh. And then the fans hated him because he had the, you know, he couldn't win a national championship. He couldn't win a third national championship after Tommy Frazier had won two. And then he won one his sophomore mm-hmm. year. And so now he's a hero. And it's just always, it's this, 
he's had this roller coaster ride emotionally, and it doesn't look like it's going to end well. And um, it's sad to see, but at the same time, I won't be sad. To, I won't be sad to see it end. I, I just have a hard time believing that they're not. That they, they don't know how to win. You asked me to. I've been. It's been ten minutes now. I'll just say this: They don't know. When, it, once this they, is the most I've ever enjoyed listening to you talk about Nebraska. Once for they the record. figure it, because they're <laughs> awful. No, not no, it's just, myopic. <laughs> uh, what if they once they actually figure out how to win one of these games? Where like every game last year was close. Yeah, he's five and twenty-two. Most of his tenure, yeah, he's five and twenty-two. And, and I saw I saw a fake T-shirt, or maybe it was a real T-shirt. Like we are the best at almost winning games, yeah. or something like that. We always, almost always win, or yeah, something you like saw that. that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, great. But until you figure out how to do it once or twice, uh, there's it's it's hard for me to get excited. Well, like you, you just said, it's probably not going to end well. How how I don't even know. Like you said, I guess maybe if they go seven and five yeah. this year and get in a bowl game, then you say, yeah, okay, that's yeah. progress, yeah, and we yeah, keep him. But yeah. it's just hard to see. It's hard to see that 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 path. I guess. Yeah. It just looks like it's gonna. They're gonna go four and eight again this year. And yeah, I, I, I like whack. the I like the new quarterback. I like the I like the kid from he Texas. Well. He was he was great. And then of all well, not of all people, actually, uh, the person you expect to to give me this information. I went to the Canary. I had a Canaries game to work that night, or yeah, well, yeah, later that night, after I called the high school football game. I uh, you know I was like I, I was telling Dan Gensler, the uh, you know longtime sports information guy at USD and USF. He works Canaries games from time to time, so he was asking me about the game, and so he heard this fucking rant from me, as did the whole press box, you know, because he asked. Uh, like I did, yeah. I gave him like a one-minute version of these last 12 minutes, but <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't really want to, just like I really didn't want to here. And uh, he and I said, but I but I did like I did love Casey Thompson. Boy, it's you know he is sharp. And Dan's like. Yeah, but that's I saw a lot of Texas games last year, and that was a typical Casey Thompson game. He is on fire early, and then he kind of, then he kind of, you know, kind of wilts away late. And I'm like, okay, that's thanks, Dan. <laughs> that's can't wait to well, yeah. What's going? And by the way, tying it back to USD KSU to see Adrian Martinez, it'll be really interesting to see a guy who turned the ball over ad nauseum in the fire drill Scott Frost offense. Especially late in games when it mattered most, that's when Adrian Martinez had a case of the whoopsies. And I don't doubt for a second it wasn't partly because Scott Frost couldn't make up his mind about what play to call or, or couldn't push the right psychological buttons for Adrian Martinez not to screw up when it mattered. It'll be really interesting to see in a culture that values taking care of the ball uh, how much they're going to let Adrian Martinez turn loose and how well and how much his turnovers will dip starting against USD on Saturday. Like that'll be. I think remarkably intriguing to see him in, to see Adrian Martinez play in an actual football outfit that you know resembles competent football. <laughs> all right, that's it. You good? You want to talk about the Twins at all? No. <laughs> they just scored runs two to one. Good. All right. Well, we'll talk again next week. Good. Good to, good, good to be back. Hey, John. good. Is it really? Is it really? Okay. Yeah. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. <laughs> Fuck you. Casino <laughs> <laughs> round drinks? Yes. Yeah.